0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of Friends Missing Friends. Today, I talked to Amy Peel. She's a friend and an author of really funny and entertaining medical mystery novels. Her latest book, Hold, came out in 2022. In this interview, we talked about grieving friends, healing rituals, and how important it is to take care of your body as well as your mind while you're grieving. For instance, I learned that there's something called grief massages. I had no idea. And by the way, that could be a really good gift for someone, whether it's for yourself or someone else, because grief can get stuck in the body. I really enjoyed talking with her. I hope you learned something new and I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening.
1: My grief, uh, started as a young kid only because my dad left all of us. So basically he abandoned six kids and my mom. Mm. And so that when I was little. um, So I think, as I recall, that might be my, besides a grandfather dying, that was kind of that. But from when I think where I really actively needed to take care of myself and get help was when my mother died in 2011. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was very close to her and she was my mother and a friend. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and she always told me she was going to live to 102 and she was very healthy except she had breast cancer, cured that, and then got bone cancer long after, but didn't really tell anyone or she knew she didn't know. I think she knew, she just knew that there wasn't going to be a good ending to that.
0: Oh gosh.
1: So, um, my sister and Helen and I helped her leave the planet. She was in hospice. She hated, she's a nurse. so She hated, you know, anything to do with hospice. But I would say mm-hmm. if anyone listens, it, hospice is probably the best thing you can ever do with anybody who's in kind of a, a terminal phase. And if they get better, you just get discharged from hospice. But it shouldn't have this, if you go, you're dead meat kind of right. feeling that people respond to. Um, my mother did get to it at the end, not happily, but she got had to go in hospice at the hospital. And my mm-hmm. sister and I are both nurses. So we had to decide we wanted her screaming in pain or do we want to give her morphine so that she's not in pain and mm-hmm. knowing that when you give people morphine under the tongue, it slows the respiration down and eventually can cause them to stop breathing. Not like instantly.
0: Right. But I
1: wasn't gonna let I wasn't gonna let my mother be in pain like I heard her screaming. Oh gosh. So there's confusion around that, but I think anybody who is dealing with death or is currently struggling. I think hospice is, is amazing and has resources. Mm-hmm. And then when she did die, I gave the eulogy and kind of planned everything because most of my siblings just couldn't, they, they weren't able to. And I just stepped up. Um, so mm-hmm. they wouldn't have done it any other way. And then I found out through someone who I got massages from, that there was a gal who did body massages yeah, for people while they were grieving. Oh, Lynn wow. Prashant is her name. Because when someone close to you dies, you hold the grief at certain parts of your body, whether you're aware of it or not.
0: Yeah.
1: You do. And so I went to see this one. We talked on the phone, Dr. Lynn Prashant, and she does things, things thing called de-griefing, de-griefing. And what that means is that all of us as humans throughout our life have lost people, Mm -hmm. pets, things. And if you don't grieve it, Mm -hmm. it accumulates. So when you have a really big loss, like I lost my mother, she died. Then if I hadn't, you know, acknowledged, she had me make a list of all the losses in my life, which I really didn't want to do, but I think it was really healthy. Yeah. Because it's just like, oh, oh, because we... We're human, so there's going to be loss of some level, uh, whether it's our favorite cat or dog or, pet, you know, our, our loved one. And then she worked with me um, because her point is, do you need to de-grief, like acknowledge all the past griefs you have, mm-hmm. as well as the current one that's kind of obviously losing my mother was a big deal. And she, at the time, was doing also body work. So it was actually extremely healing to have that, and be work with her and just get tell her my story and have someone listen to it. And also I always, you know, my brother, uh, Bob lost we lost our nephew a long time ago. But one of the things they tell people who are grieving
0: mm-hmm.
1: is to have someone give you a massage every once in a while because oh you're not in your body. I don't know about you when you lost your friends and stuff, but because it's such a surreal world. Yeah. And it is. My dad died. My mother died. It's like the world keeps going by really fast, but I didn't feel fast. I don't know how you were, you know, when your friends died.
0: Mm -hmm. I honestly, my mind is blown. I don't know why, but I've never heard about degriefing or grief massage. Never heard of it. But that makes so much sense.
1: Well, because we feel things and sometimes we stuff them guilty and oh you know it's too sad or you know but when somebody dies it's not like it's negotiable I haven't heard anyone coming back down to say hidey-ho but our bodies are probably the smartest part of us our mind tries to override things right oh you'll be fine oh and people go oh she you know they it's nice it's people are at a loss for what to say I get it so, they say things like, oh, she's in peace now, or she's not in pain, which is true. But I think each of us has our very own kind of grieving. I really do.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: knowing there's a toolbox of things, that I think is really helpful. So, I'd say the body massage and just working through past griefs as well as the current one to kind of release some of the sadness because our emotions are in our body. So, if we don't acknowledge and try to work acknowledge and heal they'll stay there um so Absolutely. i think those were just two big things that helped me when my mom died and then
0: mm-hmm.
1: when karen died i knew she was going to die but um because she had brain tumor mm. and she and i were friends because our kids were in preschool together Aww. and you know I, and then she before she died she asked me to organize her celebration of life because she knew I'd be funny and also organized. So I did that. We did that. My my husband and my son helped us and we did it was on Zoom because of the pandemic. Right. Yeah. But there were over hundred people because they have relatives in Italy. So, um, that was also very cathartic because she gave a list of people she wanted to speak. And I didn't know anybody except one other person, besides the family because they were all friends from her past.
0: Oh. So it was
1: kind of like a, a gift because I called each one and kind of explained the format of the, you know, celebration of life on Zoom. And I how did you know, Karen, and what did you do? So I kind of got to know about her past in a way I had never known before because our, our point in time started when we met and the kids were two years old. So mm. that was actually a gift. And then, um, you know, I was – Pretty sad, and Mm -hmm. and I, I talked to a therapist because I think therapy is very healthy. Yeah, taking care of your mind and your body, and she gave me some really good tips. Um, So, I think you have dollar stores. I think everyone has dollar stores wherever they live. Mm -hmm. But I just went to the dollar store and got those big tall. I'm Jewish, but those big tall Catholic candles. I had a picture of Karen and I, and I lit the candle. And I would—it was just brought me peace to seeing the candle. I put it on my mantle, a picture of us, and I just kept them going because the candles, because they're not that expensive, and just seeing a lit candle mm-hmm. was very comforting. So she that that ritual, and then the other thing I did is um, I planted a lavender uh, plant bush in my backyard, and I just call it Karen. So oh my gosh, when I go by the la. Yeah, I go by the. I always take a little piece and say, Hey, Karen, how are you doing? Because it's living and it's comforting. And the candle and that, it's just kind of like I'm in touch with her, but in a very kind of nurturing way.
0: Wow. I was shocked when you said the bush because I did the exact same thing for my friend. Really? Yeah. And I visit the bush and I. I touch it and I'm like thinking kind of in my head, people are probably think I'm crazy. They're like, here's that girl like talking to the tree again," because <laughs> they don't know the story behind it,
1: right? <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm in the backyard. So if anyone's peeking over, then too bad for them. But isn't it <laughs> healing when, when you do that?
0: It really is. And I've been, it's become a tradition for the past couple years where every year on her birthday, which was also the day of her death. I visit the tree and I'll bring a friend and we'll just kind of sit by the tree and like light some incense and I'll, we'll just kind of talk. I didn't really have a structure, but we'll just like talk about her. Um, And it's been, yeah, it's like a ritual and it's a physical representation and yeah, it is really nice.
1: It is. It really is. It's very nurturing, I think. And then my other friend uh, who I was close to, Sandy, Again, met her through the schools where the kids were. She had breast cancer. They gave her, then she cleared that, and then years later she got bone cancer. They gave her two years, oh but she lived eight. Now her family is very religious. Her son is a priest. They did go to lords. She got the waters and all the prayers, and I think I do believe in that. I do believe in prayer and mm-hmm. healing, and. um And then I just, whatever, you know, I took her to chemo a couple of times when she, you know, we stopped for lunch after when she was getting chemo and was available. And then we would do things depending on her energy. It was just, what do you feel like? I'm too tired. That's fine. Just acknowledging. And I think just being with the people while they're here and hearing them, Mm -hmm. I'd love to see you, but I just am tired or. I mean, I'm glad because we used to go out for dinner and have a cocktail. It's kind of one of our rituals. Yeah. And one night she, she called. It was a Wednesday school night. I mean, I'm not in school, but it's still school night. And um, <laughs> I said, she says, oh, I feel like a martini. I said, okay, I'm coming over. Oh. So we had one martini. And she goes, I'd like another half a martini. I said, okay. So that was the last martini I had with her. Oh, because she kept getting sicker. If I had just said, Oh, I have to get up in the morning and do da 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 or I can't or I'm so glad I just didn't even do that because that was really the last time we had a drink together and hung out. We didn't do anything big. We sat in the chairs with our feet up and drank uh martini. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, she really, really fought the big fight. We go on vacation with her family and Finally, she called me and she said, I, I just can't do the same. I can't do the chemo. It was just, you know, too much. So um, I, I, I respected that and mm-hmm. um, close to her family. Um, and so, you know, she was real clear. She was so organized. I mean, <laughs> she, she had a binder that she did put together about when I'm gone. Oh my gosh. And every single thing you can imagine, the doctors, the dentists, the passwords, the banks, the any paperwork, the house, because she ran the whole family and mm-hmm. all that. So everything that needed to be done at any time
0: was wow. all
1: spelled out in this binder. And oh it's God. so responsible. Like that's really responsible. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, she had time because she was so tired, she could sit and just watch TV or sleep. She didn't have much energy, mm-hmm. but she wanted to make sure that everything was handled. I was blown away when I heard about that. So, yeah, that's So, amazing. you know, she, again, with her, it was, and so with her too, because I'd been doing the ritual of the candle lighting and mm-hmm. the picture of us, you know, she died in March. So, um, yeah, obviously, it's not a year yet, but my gosh, you know, it's, it's weird when people, you know, because you're here and then you're not. It's so, and you know, it's just like they had this whole life of, of experiences and time together with your friend, and then they're not on the planet anymore. It's tough,
0: mm-hmm. it's really tough, really, really tough.
1: Yeah,
0: and you, you brought up a good point earlier about how important it is to take care of your body and your mind because I don't think I thought about my body at all. (laughs) Like at all, (laughs) not even for a second. Like, yeah, I was probably super disconnected.
1: Well, of course your mind and you're just like trying to, we know they die. They're not here, but the whole thing. Like even when I look around my space, you probably—I bought a dresser with her. I bought another thing with her. I would always call her say, "We're going to get this on sale because she kind of always knew where the sales were." Oh my gosh! All the stuff, you know, that I would just pick up the phone. Hey, Sandy, I'm going da 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 da. Or where did you get that? It's like that ceases. It comes to a screeching halt, right? But it doesn't mean I don't think about her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. I I don't think. Unless you really know just to, if you're not going to, probably not in your body when you lose somebody. I don't think I was. But what I learned was that then that's when you get a massage. Mm. And if you, and if people can't afford massages, because, they're, you know, some are cheap, some are not. There's always massage schools where there's students that need to do a certain number of massages. Right. Around the country. So you go and say, sign up to be one of their guinea pigs. Right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the body work, I think,
0: is really important. And that there's even specific people out there who do it specifically for grieving people. That's yeah. that's total I mean, news have, to me.
1: You have to ask around, but, yeah, because I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I never heard of it before until someone said, I'm like, well, that makes sense. But, you know, if it's not on your radar screen.
0: What you just said, too, about how everything just comes to a screeching halt, like... It's like, even if you know they're going to die, it's still a screeching halt. Like, it's kind of like nothing can prepare you for it.
1: Exactly. Really. But it is like, I remember after my dad died, I was in Chicago. I'm driving and I'm looking and it feels like people are going really fast, like walking fast. Mm -hmm. Because my mind was, like you said, it's just like, stops. Yep. And it's it's just trying to process it. Yeah,
0: everything seems so absurdly fast. It's like, wait, what are we all yeah. racing to? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, did you yeah, have any experience with grief
1: groups as well? Um, no, not really. Now, my other job long ago was I was a nurse transplant coordinator. And I was the one who spoke to families after they were told their loved one was brain dead. Oh,
0: my God.
1: So that was my job. Oh, my so God. So to go in and say, not knowing him, obviously, you know, if you decide you want to donate their love, your loved one's organs, I can facilitate that. But if you decide not to, then that's fine, too. It's the right decision. So that was part of my career is being present with people who had just found out their loved one was dead, brain dead. Wow. And it was like sacred space because that's the time we just have to be 100% present and clear. And um, so that's what I did for part of my career was was around death. So um, I talked to other transplant coordinators and I, you know, we, we, but we, It was heavy duty, but the bookends of our career were somebody had to die. They died, motorcycle accident or whatever. The family donated the organs. So for the family, sometimes that helped them make sense out of a senseless death. Mm-hmm. So while there was the heaviness and the grief and the loss they were having, they would then donate, and then I would be the one to write them a letter that your kidney went into a 32-year-old woman with two kids. Or your heart, their heart heart went into somebody, so it was like their their loved one lived on. Yeah, and so, so it's a bittersweet, but the satisfaction of seeing somebody who otherwise would be dead from end stage organ failure live and not just live, thrive, Mm. just gave me such an appreciation for life and all the everyday things that we have to be grateful for. Absolutely. Now did you find a grief grief group that you went to after your friend died?
0: I found one. honestly, maybe I'll try again. Um, and it wasn't bad. It was fine. Um, but I don't know. I think I um, maybe was searching for something that a grief group couldn't necessarily provide. Or could only provide in a very small way for a limited period of time, which was a sense of community. And there was some of that, for sure. Um, But it was also like, you know, I didn't stay in touch with any of them. It only lasted four weeks. Um, And there was no one else there who had lost a friend. Uh, It was people who had lost parents and spouses. So, I was able to connect about like grief in general, but I think part of me wanted to connect with someone who also uh, was going through the same specific type of grief. Um, Sure. So, that just wasn't the right space for that particular desire. But I definitely found it healing. I just, um, I think I'm always looking for more (laughs) just in everything.
1: Well, that's not a bad thing because you do when you do have a friend who's died you you do I think for me because i we were we had a group of friends, so we we each we grieved differently, but we collectively all knew how sad it was
0: mm-hmm. and, but I'm glad that you had mutual friends that you could um was that healing to be able to kind of grieve separately and together?
1: A little bit. Each of us were close to her in a different way with Karen. Um, Her son got married this last year, and they had a beautiful table right by the reception. Free walked in with her picture and candles, and I was just, you know, it was just nice to linger there. Um, My friend Norma, uh, she couldn't even look at it. Because Karen and Norma were very, very close. So mm-hmm. she's like, I can't. I just can't. And I'm like, okay. I just wanted you to know it was there and not, and that not head to the reception and all of a sudden be stopped in your tracks, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it helped. It's just weird because I think grieving is partially a solo event. Totally. You know, you, you you had the relationship you had with your friend, and that's different than any of your other friends may have had with your friend, even though you collectively could talk about mm-hmm. them. But I have to say, depending on who you are on the planet and how you grew up and whatever death you were exposed to in your childhood or, you know, teenagers, I think we all have our own infrastructure. Mentally, mm-hmm. physically, around loss, and I think that informs how we can grieve and then also learn. Like I learned about de grieving, and I learned about body massage, and I learned because I got help. I asked a the therapist, you know, and and she was like, oh, cause ritual, I think, for whatever person's grieving from a friend, is a key thing. And whatever that ritual, like yours, is to go by once a year and say hi to the bush and talk with your friend about your friend who died mm-hmm. and when my friend sandy died i've planted a um lilac bush in the front yard because i love lilacs I'm mm-hmm. from the midwest we haven't got any flowers yet but i'm sure they're coming <laughs> and um you know i think just seeing what other people do or hearing about it Will help people formulate their own prescription of how they're going to deal with the grief and journaling. I journaled. My mom died. I journaled a lot with Karen, my friend, and Sandy died. I journaled. I journal a lot in -hmm. the mornings. But I, you know, I just wrote about them and what I missed, and you know, just let the words flow and the tears flow. And I think that's very kind of cathartic.
0: It is. It is. Yeah, and I um I think that you're absolutely right. Like there's an individual and a communal, but it's mostly individual um because yeah, every relationship is completely and totally unique and no one will ever really understand it. And that's one thing that's been really hard for me is that I know that no one who's alive today understands The relationship I had with my friend. And that's Mm
1: -hmm.
0: kind of frustrating because I want the world to understand, (laughs) you know, like I love to feel understood. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yeah. But my friend was the only one who understood.
1: Also, also, we're Jewish and they have a really beautiful tradition. When you lose somebody, you wear a pin, a black little ribbon pin, Mm -hmm. but the part of the ribbon's torn and you wear it outside on your coat or your shirt, depending on the weather. And when people see it, they know that you're hurting.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So even if they don't know you or they know you a little bit, it's it's a visual sign once you know what that is. Mm -hmm. That that person's grieving. And our temple was kind because they, you know, in the Jewish tradition, if you go to temple, I don't call all the time, but when they Friday services, it's interesting because they say the name of the loved one that you lost uh, every year on their yard site, the anniversary of their death. Mm. They say, if anyone has lost somebody in this, this week, please stand. And if anyone's lost anybody in the last month stand. oh wow and then if anyone's lost anybody in the last six months and what visually you see is that people everyone's losing people and that you're not alone
0: mm-hmm.
1: no matter how hard the grief is that it, it was it, it was hard and when people started standing up I just even though I didn't know some of them but it was just comforting because I knew there were other people in the room that just had a loss. Mm
0: -hmm. That's so important that visual reminder because our, our grief and our pain is invisible.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: One thing I've been kind of thinking a lot about recently is asking for what you need, which is really hard just in general. And it can especially apply to this because a lot of times, just because people don't know what to say, which I totally understand, we'll get advice when we don't want advice or all these things. And then it was like this year, I was like, oh, I could like just ask for exactly what I need (laughs) instead of just hoping that they can just do it (laughs) without, you know, me telling them.
1: Reading your mind. (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. People can't read my mind. <laughs> and they don't necessarily know I'm grieving. I'm not wearing a pin. So they might not right. even know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm pretty good about asking for what I need. But I've been married 35 years. So my husband can kind of tell, which is great, you know, if I'm just hurting. So I'm, mm. you know, and I'll cry when I cry. I mean, I did a lot of crying. Um, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's very healing too for the mind and the body. Um, but asking for what you need sometimes, you know, whether you just don't want to go to something or, you know, or admit it's safe to just cry around friends that knew like Sandy, they knew, and they just looked at me and they knew I was hurting, mm-hmm. you know, they just knew. So, yeah, but I think advocating for yourself and saying, I'm a little tender right now. Mm-hmm. At least telling people how you're feeling if you're able to. Sometimes you don't even know yourself because it's such a foggy brain moment, right?
0: hmm But yeah. yeah, saying being able to say no, like I can't do this, I can't go to this event, whatever it is, or going somewhere and just giving them a heads up. Hey, I'm, I'm grieving right now. Like I'm very tender. <laughs> um I think we don't do that very much. I don't remember if I ever did that actually.
1: Yeah, it's a hard one. It's a hard one.
0: Was there any particular type of support that you wish you had, um, when your friends passed or do you feel like you, um, had really good and helpful support?
1: Well, I think I had good support because I'm part of a community, um, friends Mm -hmm. and my husband and our, you know, we're not overly religious, but having an infrastructure where we would wear the black ribbon top and then I could go to temple and cry, had a place to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a therapist, so I was able to get some advice um, and mostly, yeah, I think I was lucky because well, when my mom died, I learned about more things like I talked about. And so mm-hmm. when my friends died, I had some tools on board. Like even if you know someone who's, friend, who's lost a friend, you can give them a journal. Like my aunt gave me a journal. And I, it was lovely because I ended up writing in it. I wrote to my mother, you know, when
0: mm-hmm. she died.
1: Just, hi, mom. I wish you were here. I would tell you da-da-da. And even with friends, oh, you're not going to believe what he did this time, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> But journaling, even you know, everyone's kind of has their own bar of. I don't want help; I'm doing it alone, or maybe I'll take a little help or whatever. But again, I'm of the age that I know speaking my feelings, and I'm not always aware. I mean, I was very angry. I know they were going to die, and I know she died. I still don't. I still was angry because it's part of the grieving process. But Mm -hmm. I really feel lucky that I. Felt like I had a lot of resources that could help me. It won't take away the sting, but it comfort. It's comforting.
0: Mm-hmm. It helps you not feel quite so like alone.
1: A, if it's like a hot cup of tea and light a candle, you know. Mm-hmm. And having somebody remind you to slow down because you know me and you are going like bed out of hell half the time getting a million (laughs) things done it's kind of like that's easy to do but sometimes you got to turn it off or slow it down you know what i mean Uh uh-huh
0: oh yeah yeah i wish we got more days off work for grieving yeah i don't know about you but i only took two days off and i should have taken more
1: i uh well i with my mom I thought I could go back to work, and I couldn't. So I had enough sick time, peak mm-hmm. T.O. I just thought I, thought I was ready, and I wasn't. Um, with my friends, because I was already retired, I was, I was my own boss, and sometimes being your own boss, I'm not always a nice boss. Um, <laughs> you know, well, you got to get this written. You have a deadline. doesn't matter, um, which really happened with the third book that just came out for me oh. because during writing it, Karen died and my friend Sandy died, but I had a oh pub gosh. date that. So I would just sit at my computer and write and cry oh because, my God. you know, I, I had made a commitment and I had a date and I'll just never forget. Like I told publisher and I was working with a book coach. I was like, well, just letting you know, this is what's happening. And and I made my deadline. It was a little tardy, some things, but you know, I was aware that. And I, I just let myself cry. Mm-hmm. It was like creativity, creativity, and crying at the same time.
0: Creativity, which was yeah. a new
1: combo. You know what I mean? So, yeah, oh, yeah. That sounds
0: so tough. It was. Oh I'm my just so
1: glad God. the book's done. <laughs> oh, that's out, but. And I dedicated it to my friend, Sandy. Oh. So that was good. And her family loved that I did that. Mentioned Karen in it. and Yeah. But mm. uh, I think if you can slow down or find the time even after you get home from work to just slow it down and nurture yourself, I think that's the best gift you can give yourself.
0: Thanks for listening. Friends Missing Friends is produced by me, Hannah Rumsey. Sound engineering is by co-producer Eric Siegling. Original music is also by Eric, featuring The Lost Wayne. Artwork is by Heidi James. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Together, we can cherish and remember the friends we miss. See you next time.